0: read somewhere, and I don't know if it's true, maybe you do, that July, the seventh month, was named after Julius Caesar. I've heard that before. But not to be outdone, the Emperor Augustus called the following month August after himself. And since that month had only 30 days at the time, he borrowed a day from February and added it to August, making sure that his month would not be inferior to Julius Caesar's. You know? I don't know, but rivalry is the issue there. It takes many forms, and today's Bible passage is replete with family rivalry based in unequal love. We've been watching Jacob over the last few weeks from his infancy through midlife, and we wish that he had learned That when a parent dotes on one child to the exclusion of others, it causes problems. Why couldn't he see that? He did not learn that. After ten other sons had been born to Jacob, Joseph is the first child of his beloved wife, Rachel. And Joseph then becomes the pet. The Hebrew is hard to translate here, so we have in our King James memory the coat of many colors, or maybe it's just a long robe with sleeves, but it was something, whatever it looked like, it was nicer than the other sons had. And so we're further set up for the conflicts ahead when the narrator says, but when Joseph's brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Well, none of us have had issues like this in our family, have we? Of course we have. We expect conflict in families. Family dysfunction started at the very beginning. Word has it that Eve would get so jealous of Adam that she would count his ribs every night when he came home. (laughs) Okay, that might not be true. But, you know, in our family histories, we have alcoholism, unwed mothers, suicide, drug abuse, mental or emotional problems, divisions over inheritance and custody and labor. Whether it's greed or pride or selfishness or, in Joseph's case, jealousy, our sins get in the way of having a peaceful family. We skipped over the dreams that Joseph had, but we're told that his, brother, his brother's hatred grows. The, the hatred grows when he has these dreams about Joseph being on top, sort of, hierarchically, and the brothers bowing down to him. Now, we've seen this type of reversal in, previous genera- in the previous generation, where Job. Jacob, Joseph's father, pulls his brother Esau's heel back, even at the very beginning, and does what he can to get out in front. And the dreams of Joseph suggest that he wants to do the same as his father, move out in front of his brothers. But some, for some reason, his brothers don't like that image, and it increases their hatred for him. We don't catch this in the translation, but Jacob, when he sends out the 17-year-old Joseph to find his brothers, he said, go and seek the peace of our family. Seek the peace. It's kind of ironic language, to seek the peace among his angry brothers. And his brothers then are not interested. Well, maybe they are interested in peace but they have a different image than, say, we might have. And yet, maybe there have been times for us when we have simply wanted somebody out of the picture. We think it would be easier if your partner is really getting on your nerves, you fantasize about how much easier life would be without him or her or your coworker drives you crazy with this negative attitude so you try to think of ways to get her moved to a different department or your sibling oh why can't he or she be a little more helpful with your parents or even in the christian family there's that church member who dot 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 the brothers see joseph coming And they think it would improve their lives by leaps and bounds if Joseph were simply out of the picture. Plan A is to just kill him. Just get rid of him. Well, Reuben, the oldest brother, steps in and nixes the murder idea, suggesting that they merely throw him in a pit and let him die out there in the desert. Woo! Thanks, Reuben. (laughs) But to his credit, he did have the plan to come back and get him and take him home. And yet they still go ahead and they take Joseph's special robe off of him and they throw him in this cistern-like pit. And then they sit down to eat lunch. They're so caring. And I I can't help wondering what Joseph is thinking or, or, or doing. Hey, come on, guys, pull me out. I I promise I won't tattle on you anymore. And while he's whining, the Ishmaelites with a caravan uh, see, I mean, the, the brothers see the Ishmaelites, their cousins, with a caravan. And so they begin to develop plan B, sell the bratty tattletale. It's a double win. They get him out of the way and they make a little bit of profit. And so that's what they do sadistically sitting down to eat lunch after throwing their brother in a pit, selling him to cut him out of their family pictures, just like us taking some scissors and doing that. At first, we think that the brothers are the cruelest people in the ancient world, and we just want to get rid of them. Well, the passing of generations has not completely erased that A little bit of selfish evil in each of us. If it had, Annie's mailbox would be out of business, as would Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Phil and Judge Judy. But we're still territorial. We still want what's best and easiest for us, even if it's at someone else's expense. We still tend to see the little picture and the small gains instead of the big picture with the long-term victories. The big picture is in traditional wedding vows. I've had three weddings this summer, and weddings are such a good reminder to us of how we're supposed to live with each other, not just with our spouse, but just with people. so brides and grooms across the ages have promised to be there for each other when things are good and when they're bad, whether they're sick or whether they're healthy, whether they're rich or whether they're poor. The big picture has us taking care of each other, even when that means sacrificing our own comfort and ease. Not to the point of martyrdom or abuse. There is a balance, and everyone is worthy of this kind of care, but it's not always easy to keep the other person's well-being in mind when we tend to focus too much on ourselves. Alexander Solzhenitsyn in the Gulag Archipelago wrote, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, And it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? Joseph's brothers remind us that our hearts are not completely clean. Our hearts are not completely good either. In order to not destroy ourselves, we have to take to heart the task of not destroying others either. If we are all in the same boat, then our own salvation and our own well-being depend upon the salvation and the well-being of everyone else in the boat with us, those other imperfect people. Now, the boat could be our immediate family, our church family, our work family. And we may not like a person, but we see today that it behooves us to want the best for every person, to seek the love, even if the like seems distant. As the church was being formed in the decades after Jesus lived— Those early Christians recognized that some people had greater needs than others. And they equalized things as if they created their own little bank. They pooled all their resources to be able to take care not just of the ones who contributed in abundance to that pool of money, but to the widows and orphans who had no regular income. Our tendency is often to want to blame someone for whatever goes bad in our lives. We didn't get a sense of that in the early church. They just simply took care of each other. And yet when we can't find someone else to blame, whether it's the government or our parents or our boss, we find it easy to blame God. A few weeks ago, the kids and I were driving down Brambleton Avenue, and a driver pulled out in front of us. I had enough time and distance to slow down, but not to stop as we rammed into the side of his car. Thankfully, no one had long-term injuries, and it could have been worse. And so, should I blame God for that accident? Or should I thank God for keeping us from a worse accident later? And if God could do any of that, couldn't there be a cheaper and less stressful way of saving us? We have so many mysteries in our faith. We don't understand why some people die too young and others spend years hoping that death will come. We don't understand why a child who is well-loved then goes out and hurts others, and a child who is unloved Ends up with a very generous heart. We don't really understand why grace is free or why salvation is costly. And yet we see that when we look at Jesus on the cross. We can despair at our human condition or we can be thankful that we just don't know the entire story yet. Today's story of Joseph, as Paula alluded to, is one of a multi-part story of salvation. The brothers sell Joseph to Ishmaelites, and that group takes Joseph to Egypt. And with that phrase, it's sort of like you're leaving a movie theater where a major part of the plot is left unresolved, and you say to your friend, well, we know there's going to be a sequel to that. There's a sequel to the story. Our minds are directed to Egypt to wonder what will happen there as the early story of our faith progresses. And so we'll jump ahead to Egypt because it's germane to our worship service today. This whole family eventually arrives in Egypt and they have children and more children and more children, so much so that the Egyptians begin to fear them and they enslave the Hebrew people to the point where we see another part of the salvation story. God pulling these people out of Egypt and out of slavery to a place of freedom. And it was that salvation from slavery in Egypt that Jesus and his disciples were commemorating in that upper room the night before Jesus was crucified. That which we call the Lord's Supper is also a part of this multi-part story of salvation. The next part for Jesus is painful and costly and done with equal love for each of us, Jacob didn't get it, but Jesus did. And then, like Joseph, we are by Jesus lifted from the pit and placed on a new path toward freedom, salvation, love, and peace.